Hey everybody, welcome back to the Vegas Tips and Tricks Podcast. This is our second episode. We're going to start talking seriously about Las Vegas today. Appreciate all of you who checked out our first episode. If you haven't checked it out or you're not following us here on Podbean, please do so. My name is J.R. Swift, and I'll be your host on the Vegas Tips and Tricks podcast. Uh, we're going to bring this to you probably about once a month, maybe a little more uh, often, if there's some news or information we want to share with you. Our hope here at Vegas Tips and Tricks is that we can help you get the most out of the time and money that you spend in Las Vegas. So, uh, uh, some exciting news. We did get the podcast submitted to iTunes, so we're hoping here in the next week or so that we'll be able to share our iTunes link. Uh, we're also on uh, Google Play Podcasts. I don't think that's a very popular uh, way to get your podcast, but we were able to get on there, and then uh, we'll look after that at uh, getting on Spotify. So, trying to grow the podcast and hope that uh, if you enjoy this episode, you'll follow us and uh, let your friends know all about it. The next few episodes of the show are going to be about answering some of the most common questions that I get about Las Vegas, and uh, I think that'll be helpful certainly to people visiting for the first time, maybe to people visiting for the first time in a long time, or even veteran uh, Vegas goers who may just uh, sense that maybe there's some things they're missing and uh, they'd like to explore uh, uh, Vegas values. Uh, that they may not have been aware of beforehand. This uh, is a uh, perhaps a really auspicious time to be starting this podcast because we're finally seeing, after nearly 15 months, uh, we're starting to see Vegas get back to normal. As I'm sure most of you know, last spring Vegas shut down pretty much completely. All the hotels and restaurants and bars and everything uh, it was just basically dark for about three months. When they came back, it was at limited capacity, and it has been at limit, limited capacity uh, really over the last, uh, almost the last year or so, uh, responding to uh, changes in the environment as far as the pandemic is concerned. Uh, but right now, uh, bars, restaurants, retail shops, casinos, hotels, are all at at least 80%. June 1st, they all go to 100%. So if you've been uh, putting off that trip to Las Vegas because you suspected, quite rightly, that Las Vegas was simply not what it was, uh, maybe it's time to consider a trip if uh, that's something that you've been thinking about. Now, uh, as I say, the uh, casinos, uh, which had been operating uh, with like every other machine turned off or uh, every other chair removed uh, with plexiglass dividers on some of the uh, uh, gaming machines and tables, those things are slowly but surely coming down. So your casino experience is going to be very similar to what it would have been before the pandemic. Now, there are some things that uh, have not come back and uh you know, I can speculate on when they'll come back. Right now, there are only two buffets open in Las Vegas. One of them uh, south of the main strip, it's South Point Casino, uh, which is mostly a locals property, although kind of popular with people driving in from Southern California as well. And then the Cosmopolitan Wicked Spoon Buffet, which is generally a highly regarded buffet, is open for brunch, at least over the weekends. I suspect uh, those hours will likely expand here after the 1st of June. Uh, 
We do also know that the highly acclaimed Bacchanal Buffet at Caesar's Palace will be reopening here in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be available. Initially, that is only a dinner buffet. So if you're just a huge fan of visiting Las Vegas buffets, uh, maybe it's not time to go back yet. That being said, a lot of the buffets have announced that they're going to close permanently. I know places like Circus Circus, Treasure Island, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to mourn the loss of those buffets. But how many properties will continue to have a buffet of some sort remains very much in question. We are starting to see some shows reopening in Las Vegas. Some smaller shows have been going on uh, throughout the spring. And uh, we did get an announcement that a number of the Cirque du Soleil shows, which are very well known to people, even uh, those who not frequent Las Vegas, uh, they are going to begin reopening uh, their shows here at the end of May, 1st of June, and continuing on through uh, the fall. So those uh, those shows will be back, but uh, a number of smaller shows may not be. They may be moving around. So again, if your biggest reason to go to Las Vegas is for the shows, uh, definitely want to check out some resources as far as what's open before you uh, make any reservations. Uh, the other thing that's been a difficulty for Vegas visitors the last several months as the capacity numbers have, have climbed from what was around 25-35% to 50 and now 80 and then eventually 100 is it's been difficult to get a ride share. Apparently a lot of the Uber and Lyft drivers uh, decided to do something else to earn a living during the downtime because they certainly weren't able to do it to, with uh, no visitor traffic. And so there is a shortage uh, in many occasions of uh, Ubers and Lyfts uh, to the point where some people have resorted to going back to cabs. So that is something to consider. Again, I suspect as we get towards the end of the year, towards the fall, uh, those things will have a tendency to adjust themselves because as the uh, if the demand is there, you're going to start seeing more people uh, respond to that and uh, either come back or uh, new people uh, enter the rideshare business. One thing, another thing that has not come back to Vegas are conventions. There have been some small meetings. I do believe there are a couple of large meetings scheduled later this year, but most of that business is uh, is not going to come back until 2022, um, which is good news if you're traveling to Las Vegas um, and you're wanting to get a good deal. Now, right now, and it has been this case for several months already, uh, the weekends have been crazy busy in Las Vegas. Uh, Fremont Street looks very much like it uh, always looks. It's a madhouse, and uh, hotel capacity is nearing the over 90%, closing in on 100% in some cases at some of the popular properties. So traveling to Vegas over the weekend can be very expensive, and airfares have also been rising because, again, as the demand has come back, there hasn't instantly been a uh, increase in the supply of tickets. So if you're thinking about going to Vegas, uh, my advice definitely is uh, plan as far out as you can, and if possible, uh, try to schedule your arrival and departure sometime during the week, uh, which, you know, in some cases, the weekdays can be very busy, but that's normally because there's some sort of a major event or uh, a convention or a number of large conventions in town, and right now, that's simply not the case. So midweek room deals are still very, very good. So... That's kind of our news and sort of a prequel to what we're talking about today. Our first big question, the one that I get more frequently than any other, 
And I suspect most people who travel to Las Vegas frequently, uh, it's probably the question they get most often from their friends. And that is, where should I stay? And it's a legitimate question. Uh, there are very few places on earth, perhaps none, where there are so many large resort hotels scattered really all over the city. But in particular on the Strip, uh, like half of the 20 largest hotels in the world are in Las Vegas. So, you know, there's, there's so many choices. And when one thinks about Las Vegas, one of the first things you think about are all of those impressive hotels. So trying to figure out which one is right for you, uh, yeah, it's reasonable. That being said, the specific hotel you stay at, particularly if you're a first-time visitor, or if you're coming back to Las Vegas after a fairly long break, uh, or you just don't have that much experience in the city, the exact hotel you stay at is not that important. Um, I would say if you fall into any of those categories, though, you do want to stay on the Las Vegas Strip. And let me be uh, very clear about one thing. The Las Vegas Strip is located entirely on Las Vegas Boulevard. But not everything on Las Vegas Boulevard uh, could reasonably be referred to as the Strip. There are a number of hotels and motels north and south of the Strip on Las Vegas Boulevard, some of which may be perfectly nice properties, but they are not located where you want to be. So check the address of your property. It should lie somewhere at the minimum between the Strat on the north end of the Strip down to Mandalay Bay, Delano, Four Seasons on the south end of the Strip. And broadly, that means it's located somewhere between 2,000 South Las Vegas Boulevard and 4,000 South Las Vegas Boulevard. If the hotel you're looking at is located further north or south than that, you don't want to stay there. And again, there are some perfectly good properties, particularly to the south of Mandalay Bay, but as a visitor who's going to want to wander up and down the Strip, they are not ideally located for you. Um, and I always do advise certainly new visitors to Las Vegas to stay on the Strip. Um, I love downtown. There's some great properties downtown, uh, fun places to stay and play. It is a very different vibe, but for a lot of people it may be the right vibe. But that being the case, uh, a first-time visitor, you can probably do downtown in one afternoon evening uh, as far as sort of checking out the attractions and checking out the properties. And then, you know, if you really like it, you can obviously uh, come back and stay there and really sort of learn more about the downtown area. But for the first-time tourist or a casual Vegas visitor, you do want to be on the Strip. There's also a lot of great properties off the Strip. Um, some of them uh, thought of as locals casinos, but uh, regardless, uh, many of them really, really nice properties. With, uh, beautiful resorts, great rooms, pools, spas, the whole thing. But again, uh, a good distance, even more distant in most cases uh, from where you're going to want to be. And right now, with the, with the rideshare situation the way it is, you want to be able to walk to as many places as you can. And that's why you want to stay in that sort of center strip area. And while I did mention uh, that you definitely want to be somewhere between the Strat and Mandalay Bay, you uh, I would be a little more specific than that. 
Um, for a first-time visitor, I would think you want to be somewhere between Tropicana and Spring Mountain Road. Um, now, unfortunately, um, certainly on the north end of the Strip, that leaves off essentially all the North Strip properties. Uh, leaves off the Wynn and Encore, one of my favorite properties, but it's a hike from there to uh, the Center Strip area. Not terribly convenient. It leaves off the uh, new Resorts World, which is going to be opening up in just about uh, a month or six weeks or so from the time we're recording this, and looks to be a really an impressive property. But again, it's located way north, and you're going to spend a lot of time just hiking back and forth to the Center Strip area, which is where most of you are going to want to be. So that also leaves out properties like Circus Circus, which uh, I would probably tend to shy away from Circus Circus anyway. Um, I don't know, unless you're a 12-year-old kid. But uh, there are even better properties for children and families, and we'll talk about that on another episode at some point. Uh, also, the Sahara, the Strat, uh, Westgate, which is the old Las Vegas Hilton. You may remember that uh, property. Uh, it's a little bit off the strip, but often gets sort of lumped in with the strip properties. Those are all properties, uh, in most every case, good properties, nice hotels, but just a little far north from where you want to be. And on the south end of the Strip, it's not quite as important, um, but if you're staying way down at uh, Mandalay Bay or Luxor or even Excalibur or Tropicana, it's a pretty good solid hike. Um, you know, if you know that's the area you want to be in, and uh, you might discover that that's the case after you visited, then it can be a great spot because there's a lot of large hotels in that area and some of the more family-friendly hotels, I might add. But for again, for a first-time visitor who's going to wander, want to wander up and down the Strip and explore, those are probably not ideal places either. So you know, so on the south end, you're looking at places like MGM Grand or uh, New York, New York, and on the north end, you're looking at places like Treasure Island and Venetian. And generally, what I would always say is, the closer you can stay to the intersection of Las Vegas Boulevard and Flamingo Road, the better off you're going to be. That is really the traditional sort of four corners of Las Vegas, the place that you want to be, uh, the place that uh, is going to give you easy access on foot to almost any attraction you're going to want to visit, even if it's fairly far north or south. Uh, you're not that far away from it. And uh, you know, you'll probably recognize that particular location uh, because it uh, is where uh, two of the most iconic properties in Las Vegas and ones you see on television or the movies all the time, Bellagio and Caesars Palace, are located on that corner. Um, essentially, the, the old Flamingo, which is one of the first resort properties on the Strip, um, over 70 years old, uh, is also located basically right on that corner as well. So you want to be as close to that corner as you can be. Now, beyond that, uh, I still haven't given you any specific suggestions. And I will give you some specific suggestions, but uh, just kind of a overview of Las Vegas hotels. You will very frequently in Las Vegas spend essentially what you would spend uh, at a roadside motel in many large cities and even small towns. 
it will cost you no more than that to stay at major resort properties. Now, generally, those aren't going to be the fanciest uh, or the most luxurious properties, but they are hotels that in many, if not most cities, would be considered probably the nicest property and the biggest property in town. So it's a, Las Vegas is, relatively speaking, a huge value. Now, keep in mind as you look at hotel rates that almost all properties charge what's called a resort fee. And yes, it's a scam. And it typically ranges from around $30 to $50, say on average about $40. So if you're looking at hotel rates and it says it's $30 a night, it's really going to be about $70 a night. But again, that's still really good. You might pay $70 at a day's in uh, along the interstate uh, with the only amenity being a Denny's. So Las Vegas is a great deal uh, relative to almost any other large city. And just to speak very briefly about how to get the best deal, a lot of people have become sort of uh, used to checking out the large travel websites. You know what I mean? The Orbitz, Expedia, Travelocity, that sort of thing, uh, not sponsored. And while those sites do a great job of amalgamating all kinds of travel information and allowing you to book a lot of different things together, I do not recommend booking your hotel that way. And I'll tell you why, uh, whether it be through these large uh, travel sites or whether it be through uh, the hotel sort of amalgamators, whether it be uh, places like Hotels.com, uh, there's a site uh, specific to Las Vegas called Vegas.com, which I've used on a couple of occasions. Um, all these sites are perfectly reputable as far as I know. I've not encountered any issues uh, or at least not issues they weren't able to resolve. And most of them offer very competitive rates, but most of them don't offer rates that are significantly different from the rates you could get booking directly with the hotel. And I always recommend that you book directly with the hotel because if there is a problem when you go to check in, if you book directly with the hotel, the person you need to deal with to fix that problem is standing right in front of you and would like very much to get on with the next person in line. Whereas if you book through a, you know, a third party booking site and something goes wrong, you're typically going to have to deal with them. And they're in a, uh, in an office somewhere long ways away and they're not in a hurry. And, uh, so to me, you always want to be dealing directly with the hotel. And if you've had any experience gambling, um, particularly with uh, two of the major casino resort operators. Um, one is uh, Caesars uh, Entertainment, um, which has the Caesars Rewards Program. The other one is the MGM Resorts, which has the M-Life Rewards Program. Um, they have a number of casinos, not just in Las Vegas, but around the country. So if you've gambled at any of those casinos and you have one of those cards... Go to their website. You uh, can sign up to access your account online. It's usually very simple. Even if you don't have one of those cards, you can typically sign up for a card online, and then you'll have to pick it up when you go to the uh, casino. But even having that card is typically going to get you a discount. 
So in addition to going through the hotel, ideally, you'd like to go through the Players Club program, the Rewards Club, because even the lowliest of players is likely to get some kind of a discount on most rooms, and they'll have sales and different things like that that will be uh, only visible to you if you're signed into your account. And you might be very surprised if you've gambled at all at one of the local properties and played a decent amount, you may jump on there and discover that you have an amazing room rate, or in some cases that you may even be comped or have a free room. Now, keep in mind, normally, even if you have a free room, you'll still have to pay that resort fee. But um, again, it's a great way to save money. And in most cases, the most valuable customer the casino has is a gambler. Because one of the reasons rooms are so cheap in Las Vegas is because the properties earn so much off of gaming. So something to think about. And as I say, particularly if you're a member of the Caesars Rewards Program or the M-Life Program, definitely check that out. That's going to be the way you're going to want to book rooms. Um, so there you go. And there are other operators in town. Um, some larger ones include uh, Boyd. Um, Venetian, Palazzo, Wynn, Cosmopolitan, uh, Tropicana, uh, and many of them do have some affiliation outside of Las Vegas, but uh, again, the two main ones are Caesars and M-Life. So that being the case, where should you stay? And to me, there are basically three levels of Las Vegas property. I mean, there's more. There's the level of places you don't want to stay, like uh, maybe the Travel Lodge or the Circus Circus Manor Lodge or any number of seedy motels around town. But there are a number of properties that would fall into what I call the value or budget category. And then you have a, a fair number that I would call sort of moderate, uh, medium uh, level properties. And then you have a handful of properties that are high end. Now, if you start thinking about uh, what it's going to cost you to stay, let's say you're planning to be in Vegas for four nights and midweek, which would typically be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday nights, Friday and Saturday, often twice or more as expensive. So keep that in mind. But uh, on the budget end, uh, if you can afford $100 a night, uh, you have quite a few options in Las Vegas. Now, that's including your resort fee and taxes and everything like that. Um, my personal first choice on the budget value category is Bally's. Um, it is located on the same corner as Caesars, Bellagio, Flamingo, uh, right there in the middle of things. Uh, it has good, large rooms, most of which have been remodeled within the last five or ten years, so they're still in good condition. Um, and like I said, you're, you know, Las Vegas hotels are notorious for uh, making you walk miles and miles to get to get out back to the street. Uh, Palagio and Caesars are terrible about that. Uh, Bally's has a decent amount of walk, but it's a little more accessible than, than most properties. Uh, and a lot of the rooms even have a nice view. Um, so, you know, quite a few amenities there. You're also connected directly to the Paris Hotel uh, by an interior walkway, and you have access to the amenities there, including their pool. So it's a good place to stay, and typically it runs in the budget range. Now, some other properties that uh, fall into that category. Um, and these are places that I would look primarily 
uh, is your booking rooms to look for the rooms that have been remodeled most recently. The Flamingo, the, the venerable Flamingo, is another good option. They have a huge pool area, um, big casino. Um, it's a very popular place to stay and play. Some people love it. Some people do not love it. Um, but you definitely want to stay in one of their most recently remodeled Flamingo rooms. They're quite nice. Um, Harris is another Caesars property that frequently falls into that uh, budget category. There you're looking for one of the Valley rooms. Those are the most recently remodeled rooms there. Um, and uh, they're very nice. Um, the Link is another property. If you been, it was, were in Vegas years ago, it's uh, located where the Imperial Palace used to be. It's a pretty nice property, kind of uh, uh, skewed towards a younger crowd, and they also typically have pretty low room rates. Some other properties where you'll see uh, pretty low room rates are on the south end of the Strip, and there you're looking at Excalibur and Luxor. Uh, Luxor uh, has uh, is a mixed bag, but uh, they also have remodeled a number of their rooms in the last few years, you want one of those remodeled rooms. Uh, rooms in Las Vegas get beat up pretty quickly, but uh, when they get given a fresh coat of paint and some new carpet and new furnishings and stuff, uh, they look a lot nicer, a lot cleaner, uh, they look a lot more modern, so the Luxor is a good choice there. But probably my last choice would actually be Excalibur. They have not remodeled uh, in a number of years. The rooms are a bit tired, uh, generally clean, but uh, certainly not at the top of the budget list. But uh, those are some options in the budget category. Uh, and there are other properties that can slip into the budget range from time to time, whether it might be uh, Treasure Island, uh, Tropicana, um, kind of think uh, even Park MGM in New York, New York once in a while will drop into the budget range, certainly midweek, though not likely on the weekends. So as far as mid-range properties, again, you kind of want to stay in that center strip area. Um, I mentioned Paris, that's a good choice, as is Planet Hollywood, which is right next door. Um, I would put properties such as the Mirage. Yeah, the old Mirage, it's still out there. Uh, over 30 years old now, but uh, still a really nice property. Um, definitely uh, Treasure Island, Tropicana, Mandalay Bay, New York, New York, Park MGM, those are all properties that would fall into the, I guess you'd say the moderate range. And I'm, I've been intentionally leaving off the sort of far north end properties. Um, certainly Strat would probably be a budget property, as would Circus and uh, Sahara um, likely uh, would fall into that sort of mid-range Excuse me. So, but again, I'd say um, my choices there would probably be Mandalay Bay, if you can live with the location, um, Planet Hollywood or Paris, or possibly Mirage. Uh, those would be some of my favorite choices in that mid-range. Here, rather than look at uh, essentially, you know, $100 a night, you're probably looking at closer to $150 to $200 a night. But if you want to take it to the next level um, and stay at one of the luxury properties, uh, figure on dropping another $100 a night into maybe that $300 a night range. And that's going to open up almost any other property on the Las Vegas Strip, with a couple of exceptions. 
That would include places now like Wynn, which I like very much, but it's a little far north. But uh, also uh, Venetian, uh, Caesar's Palace, Bellagio, um, Aria, Cosmopolitan, um, all those properties, uh, very uh, luxurious properties, a lot of amenities, and uh, usually available uh, in the 250 to 300 range. Now, I will point out that uh, during particularly slow times, some properties that uh, I would put in the high-end range can actually slip into the moderate category. And some properties that I said were in the moderate category could actually fall into the budget category. Um, so, and, and when things are particularly busy and crazy, on like I said, on the weekends or if there's a major event, uh, it can be just the opposite. Uh, there may not be any budget properties. Right now on the weekends, it doesn't seem like there are any budget properties available. So that's just kind of a an overview. As far as the, the high-end properties, uh, I would lean probably a little bit towards... Aria or Cosmo. I do really like um, Caesars and Bellagio for their location, but they are such a labyrinth um, getting in and out of those properties. It's a hike to go anywhere, so it's not particularly convenient. Uh, whereas I say, I think Cosmo and Aria are a little bit easier to navigate, but certainly. Um, I think everybody, uh, every frequent Vegas visitor should at least stay at Caesars and Bellagio once. So, uh, hey, check it out. Uh, particularly with Caesars, definitely pay attention to the room category, the room types. There's a number of different towers. Um, and you definitely uh, want uh, the Pallas Augustus or Octavius Tower. Some very specific advice right there. So, And I do hear Bellagio has begun to remodel their room. So... Um, the rooms were okay, but uh, again, as I say, things get beat up pretty quickly. Now, there are a few uh, sort of higher-end properties that would probably even go above and beyond the cost we mentioned, um, some of those being sort of hotels within a hotel. Uh, the Waldorf Astoria, which is located really right on the Strip, kind of hiding in plain sight uh, there next to Park MGM and uh, Aria. It will typically run even more than $300 a night, uh, as would the Four Seasons, uh, which is on the top floors of Mandalay Bay. So that's another one to take a look at uh, if you really want elite service. And that is one issue with even the highest in Las Vegas properties, is the level of service is probably not equal to what you would get at uh, properties in a lot of other major cities. And the biggest reason is simply the size of these properties. I mean, thousands upon thousands of rooms. It's just impossible to provide the kind of personalized service that you might want uh, or that some people might want. So don't expect that necessarily. Uh, I would say there are a few options that provide more personalized service. It is sort of the hotel within a hotel concept. And I did mention the Four Seasons, uh, which is connected to Mandalay Bay. But also at Park MGM, you have the Nomad Hotel. And at uh, Caesars Palace, you have the uh, uh, Nobu, the Nobu Hotel. Um, also, the, the Cromwell is a very small property. And so I think they do a pretty good job with sort of personalized service. But most of these thousands upon thousands of room properties struggle with that. Uh, I would say, based on my personal experience, probably the best service uh, at any of the huge properties would be at uh, Win Encore, but that's just my personal opinion, so to speak. 
Now, I will say one other thing about Las Vegas hotels before we kind of wrap this thing up, and that is if you're used to staying at properties that have, you know, a nice fridge, microwave, coffee maker, little little kitchen facilities on site, you're not going to find much in the major strip hotels. few properties, some of the Caesars properties will have empty fridges. Uh, most places, if you see a fridge, it's a mini fridge and you don't really want to touch anything. Uh, I can't think of really any strip properties that have a microwave. And once in a while, you'll see a coffee maker anymore. It's a, it's a Keurig and you probably have to buy the pods. So you're not going to get that sort of uh, facilities unless you move to sort of off-strip uh, hotels, timeshares, where you will have uh, sort of more kitchen-like facilities. But anyway, I hope this program was helpful to you today. If it was, I hope you'll follow us here on Podbean and uh, tell your friends about uh, about the Vegas Tips and Tricks podcast. We'll be back uh, sometime in June. Uh, I think we did. I think this actually ended up being four weeks. It may have been three. I have to check. But uh, we'll be back uh, say sometime during the month of June, and we will uh, bring you another Vegas question and answer that I receive uh, frequently. Um, Until then, I hope that you all have a great, lucky, and healthy week, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye.